Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Marana, host of the program, and it is show number 199. Happy to be live here on Facebook with you. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada, or wherever you are consuming podcasts. They're everywhere, right? They're in our pockets. They're in our ears. These podcasts are everywhere, and I'm happy to be uh, rolling with Education Leadership Beyond number 199. Thanks for tuning in. If you do join us live, jump in with a question or a comment, and uh, super excited to meet Rachel George. Rachel George is today's guest. That would be Dr. Rachel uh, George. And take a look at this. Take a look at the work she's had in just the past couple of years. These two amazing books. Uh, we are going to talk leadership. We are going to talk women in leadership and certainly uh, much more. So um, a shout out to Rachel. And we'll meet her in just a moment. I do want to thank today's sponsor of the uh, program, and that would be Havsies Cookies. Havsies Cookies is a local company, yet they ship nationwide. Marada 15 is your discount code. And uh, Rachel, I got to bring some out to you in Oregon when I come out there. Uh, but Havsies Cookies, check them out. Havsieescookies.com, discount code Marada 15. All right. So we are going to meet the author of She Leads. It's a co-authored book um, uh, with, uh, I know, Rachel, you're going to help me pronounce that, Mal Malajay's Tolan. Um, but she wrote it, uh, co-authored it, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about women in leadership. And me, uh, as a principal here, I am constantly on the look for women leaders. I, I, I want to support women leaders. It is something that is on my radar um, and to support, promote, and, and certainly collaborate with uh, in today's world, right? For years, uh, administration was dominated by, by males, and, and those days are over, and they're they're. Uh, far beyond us. So I am happy to talk with Dr. Rachel today. And I, I couldn't not talk about this today. I, I'm still processing what happened. I don't watch the Oscars. I don't watch a lot of TV, but certainly that's what everybody was talking about today. And uh, what happened last night at the Oscars, right? Chris Rock makes an off-color joke about Jada Pinkett, Will Smith's wife, and we all know what happened. And I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, I want to support women in every way possible. Was that the right move? Right? Could Will Smith have used that platform and responded in a different way? Off-color joke. Inappropriate. Right? And I guess there was some beef in the background. But I'm talking to kids today about keep your hands to yourself. Right? Conduct yourself appropriately. Be professional. And in that moment, on one of the grandest stage, he hit an un, you know, not not in a fight. This, you know, he was Chris Rock wasn't squared up, uh, and I'm not defending either side. I still don't know how I feel about, it, but I, I just, I, 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 you know, I admire Will Smith. I, I admired the, the movie he made, and, and uh, I admire him as an actor and, and someone I grew up with, right? But I just think that was inappropriate, and I think it was wrong. Uh, we got to be role models in all that we do, and. Uh, I was upset by that today, and I'm still kind of processing it. So I'm curious to ask Rachel about that, and we will. Let's have me stop talking because nobody wants to hear me talk anymore. They want to hear Dr. Rachel George uh, all the way from Oregon. Dr. Rachel, welcome to hey. the program. 
Thanks. Excited yeah. to be here with you. Yeah, I'm excited to meet you in person too when we get together at the uh, wide open spaces in just a couple yeah. weeks now. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time. Great yeah. educators too, by the way, in Oregon. Absolutely. Great country, great educators uh, and beautiful stuff. Rachel, uh, since we we're just we're talking about it, right, and we're going to get to know you through the podcast, what was your take on what happened last night? <laughs> well, for one, I wasn't watching it and I was sure. scrolling through social media and I saw a couple little blips on the radar. And it wasn't until my stepson was like, Dad, did you see what just happened? And I leaned over and was watching and I'm like, oh, so that's what they were talking about because I didn't click on it. Holy moly. Um, that's been something that's been rolling around in my head all of last night and today. Super uncomfortable, right? Not what we were probably anticipating occurring. And hard perspectives, hard perspectives that you have a loved one that has been going through some stuff and, you know, from your perspective, felt a little disrespected and not honored. Um, awkward in front of everybody, like you need to say something. But it does make me wonder, are there better ways to stand up and to talk about what needs to occur and what's what's appropriate and respectful? Yeah, Lots I of mean, things going in my head. I can see it from all perspectives. It's really, really challenging. Sure. And we're educating young people. We, we, we're training professionals. Mm -hmm. um, and right? imagine you're with a teacher at a, at a public forum and, and, and a parent gets up and says something you know, off color, right? Is mm -hmm. a teacher, are we going to walk up there and just smack them? Like, there's got to be a public sort of, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I thought he could have chose differently. And and in terms of the, the women's perspective, Rachel, right, we're going to talk about she leads today. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you, you know, did she need to be defended like that? You know, what what is your take as a mom and a, and a, and a woman? <laughs> uh, oh, man, there's like so many different sides to this. Um, one, I would have been shocked that that occurred. Two, it probably would have hurt. Um, I think I would have probably have been looking at my husband like, how come he didn't say something? But I think it comes down to was it the right time and place to say something and was it done in the right way? Um, those are really challenging pieces. And that's also something that we don't know their, their personal dynamic or their relationship. Um, I know that my husband could be very like grizzly bear about someone saying something like that to me and would definitely defend my honor, whether it's done in the right and most appropriate perspective could be questionable. So I don't, I don't know. It, it's challenging, but I also don't know her very well. Right. Maybe she can sure. hold her own ground and maybe she, needs and wants him to speak up for her like that. I know in different seasons of my life, I've needed that and around certain topics. And then there's others where I'm like, no, honey, back up. I got this. Yeah. I can, I can stick up for myself, but there's some topics that I know I can't do justice to and he needs some backup. So. All right. Well, let's meet her for real here. This is Dr. Rachel George. <laughs> I threw her right in there. This was not on the script. Uh, Rachel is an educator from Oregon. Uh, she's served in, in several different roles, uh, and she's currently a principal and a director right now. Um, but she's an author, a presenter, and and certainly right now, Rachel, like these are so hot. These books, uh, they're out there and, and, and leading the way with Dave Burgess. So, Rachel, tell me about your latest work here. What inspired you here? Uh, what made you get going with this project? And, and how'd you get started? Oh, good question. 
So women in leadership have, I mean, it's, it's been a passion area for me ever since I was in college. Um, when I left high school, people either went to college or they went and worked in the woods. I knew I wasn't going to work in the woods, but I somehow landed up in the woods and I fought fire for 11 years for the forest service on hotshot cruise engines, helicopters, like you name it. And you can infer that there weren't a lot of women. And so I was actually brought in to that work from some fellow women leaders that were mentors and friends that really pushed me outside my comfort zone. And so that really developed that perspective of like women can lead in these sectors that don't have a lot of women in it and we can totally kick butt and we can do a dynamic job and let us lead, let us lead. And it was fascinating when I went into education that was still a very much a, a focus and a passion area for me. Uh, and ironically, in education, there's a lot of women that are in the teaching workforce, but not in the administrative ranks. Mm -hmm. And my mom was an elementary principal. And so I had watched some of the different pieces that she learned and navigated through over the years. And then when I did my dissertation, it focused solely on the journey and path of women superintendents within Oregon. Completely fascinating. So as Lead Like a Pirate developed some of their guidebooks and my Elise and I developed a friendship with Beth, we were like, you know, you have great guidebooks and you have all these different niche areas, but you don't have one for women. Leading as a female is completely different than what males navigate. There's different job roles. There's different personality dynamics. There's that home work life balance. It's a little bit different because let's be honest, some of the men aren't necessarily taking that father role that some of the women are. That balance of obligations is not like a 50-50 split. So we were like, we need, we need to write this because there obviously there's not enough numbers. We need to have more women in these spots. How can we help them? How can we pull back that curtain and help give them the tips and the strategies that are good for all humans, but it's also really good for women to know. And we also need to be really explicit about it. And that's the ironic thing. When you read She Leads, you can read it and be like, yeah, I knew that. Like you probably, well, you're reading it like, hey, I knew I can negotiate a contract or like, hey, I can, you know, ask for my worth or I don't, you know, I know I'm, I'm deserving to be at the table and my opinion matters. But there's all these perspectives that ironically, sometimes we just don't know because we haven't had someone to tell us it. Yeah. So we're passing on those secrets. And those tips that we've learned along the way and many other educational leaders, women throughout the nation have shared their strategies, their tips, their their lessons learned. So then that way we can help uh, increase your learning curve and get you where you want to be with your educational career. Yeah, you included so many people from around the country. I love how, you know, again, you, uh, I love learning. You made this gray. It stands out when yeah. there's a different author. You put it in the script. But not you have you have the, the different people who joined you. Then they give you simple strategies. And then I love this part, right? Here's Rachel's story. Here's Rachel's take and, and, mm -hmm. and, your, and your colleagues take. So it's written so uniquely with those little steps in there. Tell me about setting that up in that manner. <laughs> I laugh because it went through so many different versions. The little unknown secret is that this book was like actually twice the size and we had to cut it way, way back. Wow. There was just wow. so much amazing content, stories, tips, and we had to get real specific and real clear and really focused mm. about what we wanted to put in there. Um, we reached out to a handful of women across the nation from all backgrounds, all nationalities, locations, 
job roles from classroom leaders all the way mm -hmm. up to the superintendent level. Mm -hmm. Because Maya, Lisa, and I, I mean, we're, we're two white female, right? And we understand that our role and perspective and experience is not the same as what other people have or what they will venture into within their career path. And mm -hmm. so we wanted to make sure we were inclusive and that we shared those different perspectives and gave them that opportunity to have their voice heard and lifted and celebrated them as well. So we solicited a handful of different vignettes from folks and it was not us pigeonholing them of like, what can you tell the story? This is what we would like you to do. It was like, hey, what's on your heart? What's yeah. your piece of advice that you would share with other women leaders as they're navigating this leadership career path or as they're moving up or they're struggling through their first principalship or they're wondering if they should even take the leap? Like, what would you say? What have you learned? What, what are your pieces of advice? And so from there, Maya, Lisa, and I blended it together with a lot of our research and our stories. So then it was a really nice balance between all three. So yeah. lots of references to different books, too, in there that are some of our favorites. We both love to read. It did. It flew so nice. And it quickly, not like, hey, I did this research project and this, but like, you know, you, you say here, uh, you know, Sally and, and uh, Marshall Goldsmith discuss in their book, How Women Rise, right? Mm -hmm. You just gave so many perspectives. Let me ask you about this one here, using uh, the jungle gym. And it's in the chapter about, it's a career jungle gym about that you, you, know, you could swing or climb to another mm -hmm. one. And you talk about being where you are and focusing where you are, but that you do need to pause and look, where is it that I wanna go to? And you, and you talk about yourself, you know, becoming a superintendent one day. Can you talk a little bit about that, Rachel? Yeah, you bet. So that was actually a piece of advice that was given to me by a female superintendent. I was a middle school principal at the time applying for a lateral position in another school district just next door. Um, and I was currently in a really high poverty setting with in crazy, crazy drug rates, crime, mm. insane. And we had done a huge dramatic school turnaround. Like I was, in my opinion, pretty marketable. So went into this interview, it was with their cabinet superintendents. And from my perspective, like I knocked it out of the park. I was like, dang, and had received some major awards within the state for that growth and improvement was really what they were looking for, again, from my perspective. So the debrief call with the superintendent was fascinating. Uh, she called and offered me a job. It was not the middle school principal job that I had applied for. It was for the assistant principal spot. And I was like, <laughs> did I just hear you right? I, you, you do realize, like I sat in that interview when I interviewed for a principal job and now you're calling me for the assistant principal. Tell me more, like, who are you going to put in? Like, I've already done this job for a couple years. I have a proven track record and you want to demote me? Like, I, not what I applied for. So she goes on and tells me that the person that they want to put in the position is a male and has never done the job before. So then me and my little sassy self, I'm like, so <laughs> let me get this straight. So you want me that's like, you know, model middle school, like top percent within the state of Oregon for turning schools around. And you want me to go take your VP spot to go show a guy that's never done the job before how to run a middle school. Like what? And she, so she's also a reader and I look up to her and she's like, well, let, let me tell you, Rachel, the story about jungle gyms. And I'm like, jungle, what? Like, again, we're middle school, not elementary. What's this jungle gym business? So she and I talked about how my career path at the time, you know, I was working on my dissertation and I know long, along ways down the road, you know, I'd like to be a superintendent. So what are the steps and the roles that you might need to get there? And sometimes you think that it's in a very linear fashion, but jobs and opportunities come along and you need to be able to be open and nimble. And this was a perspective that I hadn't ever viewed before or mm. applied. So she was pushing my thinking 
to really get me to take that AP spot. Now I did not take that AP spot. I chose to stay where I was at and did a killer job and it all, all worked out, but it really framed my thinking and she grounded it um, in Cheryl's work. Cheryl, I'm totally spaced on her last name. The one from Facebook, I want the Sandberg. Uh, cross my fingers. Hopefully that was right. But you know, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. And, um, it just really made me rethink what, what's, the end target, what are different ways to get there? How can you be nimble? Um, sometimes I think we're very laser focused on I need to go to X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. when in fact, uh, there's a lot of creative paths. What I found with my research on for, for women superintendents and the journey, that was fascinating because that did not follow a linear like trajectory. It mm -hmm. was a jungle gym. Mm -hmm. There were gals that were athletic directors that then went to the district office and were curriculum directors. There were folks that were never a building principal and later became superintendents. There were folks that never worked in teaching and learning. And that's often where women think that they need to move. And that's the next career step after mm -hmm. being in the building um, that went into like fiscal management and then just totally kicked butt. Like there are some key aspects of if you really want to move that there's some statistical backing that really help leverage your forward movement. But that's not saying you can't do it in these other realms. And so there's just so much research and, and evidence that we have of people just rocking what is really passionate for them and their jobs and what fits them in their life and still getting to where they want to be. So that was a really long answer, but yeah, no, it was great. And it's going to get women to think about that, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it might not be a straight line, like you said, and uh, I just love the personal touches. Rachel, a lot of people are struggling right now, emotionally, um, you know, physically, and I love this part on page 34, and it's uh, in the chapter, Power of Emotion. You know, when you're not okay, try this, right? And you and you give some bullet points there. I know you don't, I don't know if you have the book in front of you, but like take some deep breaths, turn on some meditation. Like you said, th simple things you know, but just the way you wrote it. Tell me about some of those things that, that, that you do and that you write about in the book here about taking care of yourself when you're not okay. Yeah, well, I think we all have seasons where like we need to be reminded of this. And I think we all deep down know inside how to take care of ourselves. Some are just a little bit more intense than others. And that reminder is really helpful. And I think when you have that reminder, like take some space, take care of yourself. How are you eating? How are you breathing? How are you taking time to just reflect, ponder and really fill your cup? Um, I think we need to remember that sometimes that varies. So the list that you mentioned, I would say has fit me up until probably the last six months. And now some of those strategies, they fit, but they're still not getting the job done. And I'm having to rethink some of these pieces and it's completely okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm having to pull out yoga, like yoga, what with me? No, I'm like a runner. I'm running. Like I just want to pound, but I'm finding that I'm in a season where I just need to be a little bit more gentle with my body and take some time to be centered, grounded and reflective and running wasn't hitting the mark for it. Still running, but just needed to kind of flex that up. Um, same thing with journaling, like journaling is another great way to process if you're not doing okay, or if you need some space to be able to help process. Now here's the funny, funny part my journal and my reflection process and my gratitude journal that I have always used and has uh, been highly effective for me, again, isn't hitting the mark. So I went out and bought a couple different other journals, a couple of them a little bit more guided and specific to help me go through some prompts. So I just kind of wasn't all over and just vomiting on the page and have found a lot more success. So in a nutshell, right, like we need to take care of ourselves. We take care of everybody else, our families, our schools, our educational stakeholders, but we can't neglect ourselves. It's the easiest thing to do. 
Um, and we just need to make sure we put that at the forefront and that we revisit it and we don't beat ourselves up with whatever was effective if it no longer is. So being open. I love it. I love it. And so I love it, right? Go to a classroom. Kids have a way of making us smile, right? I just, I, I do that. I do so much of my work in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I'll do the observation, but I'll stay in there. Yeah. Uh, I just love the environment and, and it reminds you of why we're here. That one has never changed for me. Yeah. Never. That's the the steadfast one. There's something about smiles, kids, and I got to tell you, especially the classrooms that have high impacted learners. Holy moly. Holy moly. I just love them to death. So, absolutely. Nothing better. Rachel, you're doing so much now, right? You're presenting on a national level. You're an author. Uh, you know, we're going to get to NAESP here. Um, how, you're presenting. You know, what is your style presenting? I can't wait to see you present. You know, how do you prepare for those? How do you know that you hit the mark sometimes? And, and sometimes like, ah, the audience didn't really grasp that. Uh, tell me about your style as a presenter. Yeah. Um, I love to be engaging and have it interactive. I'm not somebody that's going to be a sit and get type of presenter. You're going to have opportunities for reflection engagement to be able to talk. And this is an area that I've had to really grow in. Because, right, sometimes it's easier just to stand up there and be separated from the audience and just deliver, right? And we see so much of that. But what we know about best practice is that uh, people, it doesn't work, right? Like you don't remember, you don't process, it's overwhelming, or you, you get disengaged. So I think it's finding the balance of where you're finding opportunities for people to interact with others, but they're not uncomfortable to where they want to leave to go to the restroom to avoid. And sometimes that was me, right, as a participant. So you have a lot of active engagement embedded through throughout that. Uh, we always have that action step at the end. What are you going to do? How are you going to fit this back into your life? Or what's your action step? What are you committing to? Those are always definitely very important pieces for me. So um, love presenting. I have to tell you, presenting with a mask on, which I've done a lot over the last couple of years, is incredibly challenging. I think the majority of my jokes kind of fell on deaf ears because they couldn't see my facial expression mm -hmm. or that pause that you anticipate mm -hmm. um, and explicitly put into things just aren't aren't picked up as much. So I'm really looking forward to just being back face to face and not presenting with a mask on. I think I'd almost per like prefer virtual without a mask on than face to face with a mask. Yeah, yeah. And Rachel, so many people, right? They admire the work you're doing. They say, ah, you know, I want to do that. How do you balance the, the job, the writing, the travel? You know, how do you make it all work and take care of yourself, right? Yeah. And on top of that, I gotta be healthy and I gotta be, you know, how do you how do you balance it all out? That's like the million dollar question. I have some great role models that have helped and guided me along the way. Uh, Beth Huff and then Jessica Cabine are both two very influential people um, that have helped me see that it's possible for women to be able to lead and to be able to balance all of these different aspects. Because let's be honest, there's also not a lot of women keynoters um, on the educational circuit. And, you know, there's a handful of them that write, but then do they go out and actually go work with schools and do workshops. There's there's not many, and a lot of it, when you dive deep into the why, it's because of um, feelings like they're abandoning their family, or they're gone too much, or that they can't adequately serve their school. And I've actually had feedback from other women leaders, uh, which was a little hurtful at times. Um, that was kind of judgmental, in fact, mm, like, mm. oh, I wouldn't do that, Rachel, because I just feel so tied to my school. Like, 
I don't know how that you, you don't do that. Like, and you don't feel bad. Well, I empower other people within my building. Mm -hmm. I have other folks that can lead. It's not solely dependent on me. Like I get my work done. Uh, so that's been just an interesting piece to navigate. Um, I would say I'm not perfect at it, not great at it. It's a work in progress, being able to balance all those different pieces. I organize my time and have it really, really structured. Mm -hmm. uh, so then that way I can get those pieces in. I'm very intentional about where and how I'm taking care of myself. Like I have a chiropractor appointment later this afternoon um, with a massage afterwards. You know, I get movement in. I'm conscientious about what I'm eating. It's like taken me like so many years to finally figure out. Holy moly. Um, but I just have to get crystal clear about what my priority. See, there you go. Um, but I've also had to learn no. Like I'm in a season right now that's one that I didn't anticipate. Um, and it's a new uncharted territory for me. So I'm finding that I am having to say yes, but later or the straight out, no, this doesn't fit with what I have for time allocations or what's truly important and then being okay with that. Um, I know that a lot of women leaders will put some boundaries on it, right? Like I'll do one or two gigs each month. And then that's kind of about right for me to still feel like I'm doing a really good job in the other spheres. So I would say I have it mapped out pretty well right now um, and in a comfortable spot, but who's to say that that won't change when I have a curveball thrown at me. But I think that just goes to show you need to be nimble and always reflective about what, where, and when, you know, and how you're doing things. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Jessica and Beth and uh, uh, amazing leaders in their mm -hmm. own right. And, and, you know, kudos to you for doing, it. I would tell you to keep rolling and I can't wait to see you present and sometimes, right, we, we're kind, we're compassionate, we want to be empathetic towards others, but sometimes you, you know. Gotta I, go. I, yeah, and I love what Brene Brown said. Unless you're in the arena getting your ass kicked, I don't really want to hear from you, you know. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta keep moving forward. Um, how about, how about you, you know, where you are best? Are you a morning uh, person? Are you a night owl? How do you know yourself to, that when you're doing your best work? <laughs> This has changed too. Oh, this is fascinating. Like listening and reflecting on these different pieces with yeah. what my inner thoughts are. Um, you know, up until like I switched to the district office. So mid year last year, I would say hands down a morning person because I was at a school that I needed to be at at 7am and we got out and I could get home by four. So I did a lot of my stuff super, super early. Um, now having flexibility to start a little bit later at the district office, I'm sleeping in a little bit later and I'm doing more things in the evening. So some of it is circumstantial. Um, I would like to say I can be a chameleon with ever what, whatever the circumstances are. Like I can force myself into being a night owl if I have that flexibility on the other end or being a morning person and really getting stuff cranked out then. I just can't do it on both ends. Like I can't, I can't like go to bed really, really late and then, you know, get up early. I need, I need like eight hours of sleep. So wherever I can fit that in. And then I would say life stress plays a huge role in it. So if I'm tapped and it's been a really hard day, a fresh look at it in the morning is going to be so much more helpful. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I love hearing and learning this from successful people and uh, kudos to you for that, that flexibility. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Um, you collaborated a lot with different authors. Uh, you and Maya Lise and, and in principled, principled uh, yeah. you, you wrote with uh, Kate Barker, Courtney 
How you say that? Farua. Farua. You know, tell me about the the collaboration here. I know you know Google Docs. You could connect with anybody anywhere. Mm -hmm. But how did you get across the vision? How did you get across the voice of the books in that collaborative manner? Well, they were different on each of them. Way different. So on principled, you know, I had known Kate and. Kate and Courtney for a really long time. We connected through our state association and we had done different projects together and we're very much aligned in like our philosophy and our approach to leadership and just about what our core foundational beliefs were. Growing all students, having high, those high expectations, doing SEL and academics at the same time. So we kind of did a divide and conquer piece. So we did a lot of the intro and the first couple chapters together, but then each of us kind of took the lead on the remaining chapters. And then we had vignettes that we inserted in logical spots and made sure they were, you know, a smooth transition between them and then kind of came back and put it all together and then looked at it as an entire book in, in one like glance. Yeah. Now my Elise and I, on the other hand, well, let me back up. So principal, we also had a couple different writing styles between the three of us. So that was mm -hmm. a little bit of a different challenge, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which she leads my Elise and I had a real similar voice. And it was really challenging to figure out who wrote what pieces. <laughs> so we just had a single Google Doc and we knew our table of contents and we would chip away at it in pieces um, until we got a chapter done. And there were many times we probably should have color coded it because they're like, did you write that or did I hang on? I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, so two different ways to get at it, two very different styles and personalities and that writing perspective. I think you just got to make it work. I know a lot of folks that have done collaborative book writing over Voxer and connecting that way along with mm -hmm. Google Docs. Mm -hmm. So I'd say be open, open to how it works for you and, and your colleagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It really is. It's great. You feel like you're having a conversation with multiple people uh, mm -hmm. when you read in that in that manner. Leading schools, uh, you know, mom, uh, leader, you know, but you're also involved with some national organizations, the NAESP, uh, as well as, uh, you know, the COSA group out in Oregon. You know, tell me about your roles there and, and you know, how did you get going with them? Yeah, you bet. So I currently serve as a fellow for NAESP under the Center for Innovative Leadership with Adam Welcome. So NAESP has a variety of different centers that kind of specialize with their focus. There's um, equity, women, middle school, and then innovative leadership. So mm -hmm. Adam and I kind of have that niche that we specialize in for our podcast and highlighting different amazing work that leaders are doing across the nation. I'm also the Oregon NAESP rep. So NAESP has their board of directors, and then they have a representative from every state that kind of represents all the amazing things that are going on within their state organization. And they're that voice for that representation when you look at it at the national level. So I'm in year five out of six for that. So mm -hmm. that's been a fantastic experience to be able to connect and lead at that national level. And then I'm currently the COSA president, which is our umbrella association for superintendents, district office, um, and our elementary and secondary principals. So it was the elementary principal um, president for a while and then just have stayed really involved. And, and now I'm in that umbrella president role this year. And I would say from both of those standpoints, both of those organizations, the why has been around giving back to the organization and the leadership um, and individuals that have helped support me. Leading in education is incredibly challenging. It's a 
very lonely, lonely job. Um, even though you might have a ton of friends and have a great network, it's, it's hard work. And I have learned so much from other people that I want to be able to give back and help support others. And that's two of the platforms that I'm able to do that with. So just very thankful for the opportunity to lead and to be able to help share other people's voices. Yeah, it's so true, right? Sometimes when we're in these roles and I, I'm the principal, I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to know it. But when you can build those relationships with other people mm -hmm. and these great organizations that you met, right? There, there is so much help and there is so much examples of, you know, people doing the work and almost giving you a roadmap how to do it. So yeah. we hear that a lot, that it is lonely, but it really, all you got to do is kind of look around and everybody is offering to help, right? So yeah. kudos to you for doing that yeah. and, and being that that role model in those uh, in those roles. Yeah, you bet. It doesn't have to be lonely. It truly doesn't. And you know what? Side note from She Leads, the majority of a lot of those folks that contributed were folks that we met through NAESP or through COSA. So nice. Two great organizations. Awesome. Well, was there anything, uh, Rachel, that, that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? Not that I can think of right now, no. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to going to wide open spaces, and, and you and I are going to have some fun. And uh, uh, it's kind of cool to uh, be able to share, right? You don't feel like you have to lead the whole thing, right? We're going to kind of play off each other. So uh, certainly a shout out to Eric Nichols uh, yes. for us there to be part of that. Um, and and uh, certainly, if you're looking for inspiration, right, uh, these two right here, man or woman, right? You, Agreed. You did a great job with these. So uh, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Cool. Well, let's roll. Uh, I know you got a busy life. Uh, I put you in such pain. You got to go to the chiropractor. I've gotten feedback. Oh, no. Never said, Andrew, you were such a pain in my back. I got to go to the chiropractor. <laughs> it's routine maintenance. It's that self-care aspect. <laughs> it's a here, good thing. Here in New York, they say you're a pain in my ass. You call me a pain in your back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love it. All good. Well, these are these are rapid fire questions, Rachel. These are uh, uh, the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Boy, I hope. Let's go. We got this. <laughs> you mentioned you're a reader. Last book you read? Atomic Habits. Reread. I, I mean, is that the best people? I, I hear it yeah. constantly, constantly. Reread that Habits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last movie you saw? Oh. I don't even know the name. <laughs> What's the one where it's like Tom Cruise and they're in the military and they're like, there was like that guy that they killed. A, you can't, you one, can't handle the truth. Good, yeah. A few yeah, good yeah, men. Yeah yeah. 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 Okay. It was that yeah. <laughs> it's you, on all the time in my house. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Uh, favorite place to travel. Oh, Hawaii. Mm. I love beaches. That's a close trip for you, right? That's not too yeah, bad for you, right? Yeah. No, direct like flight. It's going to the Jersey Shore from, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, a journal or blog you subscribe to? Love Jessica Cabine's blog in her newsletter. Uh, your biggest snafu while presenting? Getting into an argument with my husband. We used to present together mm -hmm, when we were middle <laughs> school principals and he would get off script and he would either age up ahead slides or say things that he wasn't supposed to and the look he'd get, oh, it was like, dagger eyes people didn't realize we were married at first <laughs> and then they were like this is really awkward but we worked through it uh favorite stress reliever running even though i like yoga now <laughs>
Mm. Uh, a pet peeve of yours is? Blaming kids. Mm, don't blame the lettuce. Mm -hmm. right. Back to running. What's your shoe of choice? Oh, Brooks Adrenaline GTS ever since I was like 20, which was only like two years ago. Ah, there you go. How about <laughs> how about Hoka? Have you tried the Hoka's? Are you a Hoka? No, I think no. Adam switched over to those. I haven't asked him what he thought yet, though. Yeah, because he's a big runner, right? He's a big time runner. Way. Just yeah. finished another marathon. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I, I, I've been curious. I'm a New Balance guy myself, but I'm looking to, uh, uh, you know, I may or may not have shorts on under my shirt here. Um, at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel, fill in the blank. Still asleep. Dirty secret. I like to sleep in on the weekends. Sometimes you, it's like 9 or 10. You could turn that on, huh? You know, it's mm -hmm. not... I love it. Maybe that's because I work so hard during the week that yeah. I crash and burn. I don't know, but I love I love sleeping in. Good for you. Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life. Sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> love those babies. <laughs> um, uh, your favorite place in Oregon? Mount Hood, and I live here in Mount Hood, so that's yeah. perfect. Nice. And if I were to visit Mount Hood, where is the spot that you would take me that I got to see? Timberline Lodge up in government camp. Okay. The location of the, they filmed part of the shining there. Is that going to be my last stop? Uh, no, I'll let you live. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I know Oregon, uh, you know, famous for beer or coffee. Which one are you serving me when I come? Both and craft. They have like specialized like vodka and whiskey too, like out in Hood River. The gamut, it. any of it. Game on. So many great spots. Uh, something about Rachel George that people do not know about. Oh, I'm pretty transparent. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm pretty open. Yeah, this is not a rapid fire risk. <laughs> Ooh. That's all right. Um, I am a sympathy puker. So if you have someone puking, I will be puking right along with you. <laughs> really? That. When you see it, when you smell it? Oh. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of similarities. I don't know if I would call it sympathy, but if I see it, I smell it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm running the other way because you're going to have a second. <laughs> it's like in Seinfeld, the second spinner. Well, there's going to be a second. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Rachel, this was fantastic. Uh, if people are interested in, in hiring you as a speaker, they want to learn more, they want to learn more about you, what, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, you bet. Uh, send me a DM on Twitter. It's Dr. Rachel George. I also have a website, drrachelgeorge.com. Uh, but you can also email me too as well. It's rachel.george00 at gmail.com. So lots of different ways. I'm heavy on social media, so feel free to reach out. Yeah, and you're doing so many great programs, virtual programs with the books, book studies. I see, you know, every night there's something. I mean, the, <laughs> the day the day we had the planning meeting, you just hung up from the book release and you, you yeah. joined the wide open planning meeting. It's incredible, so. Um, Rachel, you got a lot going on. You're doing great things, right? I certainly look at you as a cup full, right? Full of uh, inspiration uh, and I admire you. How about a, a quote to uh, end the show? Yeah, you bet. Um, know that you're doing a good job. Life is pretty hard um, and there's a lot of different things that are thrown at you and you might want to think otherwise, whether it's based off kid or parent feedback or maybe your own inner voice, but 
know that you're doing a good job and just keep doing what you're doing and that you'll get through it. Nice. This is Dr. Rachel George out in Oregon, getting it done. I am looking forward to come visit and, and spend some time with her, learn from her. Again, man or woman, uh, great books here. I'm going to get them into some of my female leader uh, hands and uh, uh, really awesome, uh, Rachel. So uh, this was great. We are going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, show number 199. Almost there, Rachel. Almost there, 200. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. Again, her Twitter handle's down there. I am at Andrew Murata 21 Rachel, don't hang up. We're going to sign off here on show number 199. Thank you, everybody.